Hello and welcome to episode zero of our fledgling podcast, Strategish. I am your host, Dan Marquez, and I'm joined by my occasional co-host and producer, Craig Ovalars. Hello. Who I should have told I was going to do that to before we started. <laughs> Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll leave it in. We'll leave that. We'll leave that uncomfortable dead air uh, in the uh, in the episode. All right. Thank you all for joining us. First, I think it's probably worthwhile that we give you a little bit of info about who we are, and then we'll we'll give you some insight into why we're doing this and what we're hoping to accomplish and why we think that you should all give it a listen. So, as I mentioned, I'm Dan Marquez. I'm a longtime consultant through the majority of my career at Deloitte and then at Accenture, focusing on technology strategy, and then at the Boston Consulting Group. And now most recently, I am in the Google Cloud Consulting Group at, if you probably guessed it, Google. Craig? Yeah, I mean, uh, similar backgrounds, strategy consulting for the vast majority of my career, spent uh, over eight years doing technology strategy consulting at Accenture, um, where it was largely focused on operating model strategy. Um, and we'll get into what operating models are a little bit later. And then moved on to, similar to Dan, to the Google Cloud Consulting Group at Google, where I continue to do um, strategy-related things. Yeah, it's not good to try to ask Craig exactly what his job is. It's very, it's very arcane. No, none of us really understand it. We just know that Craig helps to make things work or work better. And, uh, and, and that's his superpower. Before we move on from this, I also wanted to ask Craig, you know, is there, is there something you want to share about your motivating force in your career, how you've thought about your, your career, like what, what really drives you and makes you passionate about the kind of work you do? I mean, ultimately. I think organizations are these like hyper complex, really interesting, just kind of manifestations of how people organize themselves. And I think having frameworks, thinking about kind of objectives and pursuits and how people come together to achieve those objectives is super interesting because there's so many different ways in which people can do it, whether it be like different um, hierarchical constructs, different cultural elements, different governance, different processes, different tools and technology that we use to get there. And I think I've spent the vast majority of my career exploring what are effective ways and means by which organizations can do all those kind of things in order to achieve various goals. Ultimately, my biggest motivation is learning and understanding all of the various things that make up kind of what a business is and how businesses are successful. That's a great answer, Craig. I like it. I really like everything that you just said. I'll add my own or some work I did even before I got into consulting. Just caught me onto the idea that technology, when well applied, is kind of like business magic. And if you have the opportunity to be, you know, the Harry Potter CEO, like, why would you ever pass that opportunity up? Or I think it's led me to what we're going to talk about today, which is there are so many opportunities to do great, big, amazing, complicated, and fascinating things with your business. And I feel like a lot of organizations let those things pass them by. And that's why I wanted to make a podcast about it. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. I do want to say one quick thing before we jump in. So 
Craig and I both work at Google, but nothing that we say as part of this podcast is in any way intended to be a professional reflection of Google's opinion on any topic. We are not representatives of Google, nor of any other organization that we have worked for in the past. Everything that we talk about here are our personal opinions, and at no point are we sharing anything that is sensitive or is not publicly known. So, so no, no corporate secrets, uh, nothing specific to our clients that people wouldn't otherwise know. So this is all just us ranting about our perspectives on, on the world uh, of, uh, of big organizations and how they can be better. Indeed. Okay. All right. So I alluded to it a little bit. Why are we doing this podcast? Why are we doing this, Craig? You mentioned a little bit before, right? We've, we've always enjoyed sitting down and having coffee and avoiding doing our work and talking about what we've observed of how the world of, of business works or, or in some cases doesn't work. I think you recognize that there is a ton of what I would call theater, right? There's a ton of efforts that are ultimately relatively performative. There's a lot of nonsense out there. And I think what I'm really excited about is to just peel that back and get to the few kernels of truth of what should they be doing to drive real value as opposed to what's simply done because it's what others are doing. Yeah. And I think as part of this podcast is we want to have these open, frank conversations between the two of us. We want to pull in guests, people we've worked with, people we were interested in talking to that we think will have strong opinions and perspectives on on what's theater and what's real and you know give people some insight into how organizations actually function and some of the crazy things that are actually underpinning the way that organizations really work so nothing that we say is like set in stone right the 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 phrase strong opinions loosely held i think is going to be critical to what we do here (laughs) yes um but uh, but that's that's the, the journey that we're hoping to go on is to explore some interesting topics, give some people some real insight into how all this stuff works and, um, and have to challenge perspectives, right? Like yeah. we want to, we want to challenge all of the, the previously held beliefs or, or just kind of the traditionally accepted beliefs about what's good and what's bad and, and really unpack what we think is meaningful and what's not. Yeah. Okay, exactly. Have some fun doing it. It's probably worthwhile that we provide everyone with a couple of definitions, some useful concepts that I think are going to be relevant to having sort of a level one understanding of everything that we're, we're kind of talking about here. I'll start with strategy, at least my definition of when we say we want to build a strategy, what does that mean? I think there are a ton of different opinions and definitions. People throw the word strategy around all the time, right? So I like to get it down to a very simple concept. A strategy is a position that you take in order to try to navigate an uncertain future. If there's no element of uncertainty, you're not really talking about a strategy, right? You're talking about a plan. You're talking about optimization. These are all important things. I think people often conflate stuff like strategic planning and strategy, right? Or even prioritization and strategy, right? You can prioritize often based on perfect or near perfect information about what your options are, you're just, you got to do the math to find the best version of those trade-offs, but it becomes strategic when you are accounting for the fact that there are, there are other players in the game or there are catastrophic black swan events. You're trying to factor in all of these things. 
a good strategy is trying to best account for those to the extent that you can, and then figure out how to move forward. Craig, do you want to talk about value? What do we mean when we talk about value? It's like a, a consultant's favorite word is value. Uh, but value. I, I think it Absolutely. has like a formal definition, right? And then it has more of an informal definition too. Yeah, I think so. I think we were going to provide just a casual definition of the way that we like to think about value. It's simply the, the difference between what it takes to provide something. And by something we really mean by a product or service that an organization is, is providing to the world and how much it's worth. And so it's that gap that's truly the value. And a couple of examples there, like if it, if it costs me a dollar to man manufacture a pen and I can sell it for $5, I generate $4 in value against my value objective of profitability. If I buy the pen for $5, but it's worth $10 to me, I've gained $5 of value in the process as a consumer. And so it's, it's always that difference between how much its cost is and how much its worth is to a particular individual or a particular group of people. And I think that's a, a pretty simplistic, but, but universally applicable kind of definition of value. Are we always talking about dollars and cents? Is it always financial? I mean, it's an interesting question. It doesn't have to be, right? Like when we're looking at organizations as a whole and we're thinking about what they provide to the world, it certainly doesn't monetary, right? It can be societal value. We can look at value in a ton of different ways, but ultimately what it needs to be is measurable and some sort of objective to which people assign worth. And, and ultimately, if you, if you boil it down to that framework, I think it can be kind of applied to the way that we think about how value is generated from various organizations. And then the last thing I think we should probably define is what are key elements of a business, right? I think traditionally we talk about a business model and we talk about an operating model. I know you alluded to the operating model before, uh, but let's, let's lay out those two things. So I'll start with the business model. This is how an organization creates value. Who do I sell to? What am I selling? What price point? Where do I sell it? What margin? So it's not, it's not the how, it's, it's the what. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm one. happy to take the, uh, the definition of operating model because that is certainly my jam. And an operating model is how they go about new. And so it factors in all of the various elements you can think of from people, processes, from technology, governance, culture, from the tools that enable an organization to deliver on the objective of the business model makes up what we call the operating model. And oftentimes, I think in general, there is a large focus on the business model of what an organization does, and sometimes a lesser focus on the operating model on how a business goes about doing that. I think there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of interesting elements of how an organization achieves its goals that can unpack a lot of the secrets of whether or not an organization is successful. And I'm super excited to talk a lot about that, but that in general is kind of a definition of what an operating model is to me. The reason why we, we wanted to share these definitions, we're really trying to understand the tools by which organizations function. How do they make choices? What are they going after? And what do they have the latitude to change? And organizations, they live or die based on getting all of these things right. You could have an otherwise good business, but your strategy just doesn't set you up for long-term success. You could have a flawed understanding of the value that you generate either for yourself or for the people that you are trying to sell to or trying to engage, or you can have a business model, operating model that are misaligned with each other. Like these things come up all the time. And I think that's what we want to, that's what we want to go after. And 
that leads me to to my next point, which is the question that I have struggled with for a long time. And what we want to focus the first season of this podcast on is why does it seem so hard or so elusive for organizations to both pursue and ultimately achieve greatness? I've seen organizations set their sights on really outsized, exceptional outcomes. And sometimes I've seen them get there and it's, it's fantastic to watch. And I feel like it's something that more organizations can achieve and really should be pursuing. But so many organizations tend to instead favor, you know, incremental change, incremental improvement over bold movement that has a lot more upside to it. I think the net is, you know, most organizations, they use what I would call a fast follower mentality. When something big and exciting happens, they'll see if there's a model whereby they can emulate it and, and go back to that sort of incremental progress approach. So I think we have, we have hypotheses. We have ideas about why this is. And, you know, we understand why a lot of leaders choose to take a more cautious and incremental approach. But at the end of the day, we believe that this is a mistake going for the big change, going more bold, pursuing greatness has a ton of benefit and has a ton of intrinsic value for society. And we want to talk about it. Hopefully, maybe we can convince a few more people to strive for something a little bit bigger. So let's define what great means. I think there are a few hallmarks of an organization that I would consider great. I think organizations that achieve greatness they, they tend to capture an outsized benefit for themselves. Organizations that do great, big, amazing things, it tends to rocket them into the stratosphere in terms of renown and visibility, market share, uh, profitability, lots of different potential factors. But achieving greatness, it does great things for you. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I think I, I, would, I would wholeheartedly agree with that. I think I can't count how many times I've seen kind of quote unquote strategies from organizations that are, we want to be 5% better across the board, whether that you want to be sell 5% more product, 5% more profit, we want to be 5% more efficient. And it's this kind of baby step words forward. And I think that's, that's not really what we would think of as great. And in, in the same vein of achieving an outsized benefit for themselves, I think there's a pioneering or redefinition element of being great. You are setting a new standard in your particular market, in your particular industry, in your particular sector for the state of the art or, or, or the new normal for what it means in, in your particular region. I think you've, you've done something that organizations have not done before you. I think that's in my perspective, what it would mean to be a great organization. And the third part, and this is one Craig and I have, have discussed this at length, but I think I've managed to convince him. One of the reasons why I think it's so important that organizations pursue greatness is this, what I would call a societal dividend. I think if you achieve greatness, you tend to create so much additional benefit for yourself that you're often able to sort of share some of the, the overflow value of that with society at, at large. Right. I think a good example of this is you know, a lot of organizations in the last decade, you know, you've heard it referred to in some cases as the like millennial subsidy, right? A lot of organizations that provide these new and very compelling digitally powered lifestyle services, things like Uber, Airbnb at their, at their heyday, right? They were powered by a lot of relatively cheap capital. 
They had a really compelling model. They were breaking into markets all over the place. And they fundamentally changed a lot of core elements of how people live their lives because of the price point, because of how much convenience these things unlocked that generated a ton of value for these organizations. They, they grew enormously. They got significant footholds and market share and all of this. But it also created this sort of spillover effect of added value that they were able to just sort of share with society. And now you're seeing it kind of get clawed back a little bit as uh, the ability to sustain that pace is, is restricted. But I still believe that if more organizations more often were going for and achieving, and to my, I think it's not just achieving the greatness, even the pursuit of greatness can itself generate the societal benefit. It doesn't necessarily generate the value for the organization, but it does generate the societal benefit in them attempting to achieve greatness because they're yeah. going to try things. They're going to put stuff out there. They're going to generate like the sort of spillover value. Well, yeah. Like we said, it would, it's a moment in time where they're redefining what their organization does. And, and that is a spillover effect to other organizations, to society as a large, and that creates much momentum. And I agree with that. So, and this isn't a question of moral judgment, right? There are some ways of achieving greatness that are not awesome, not things that we would necessarily want to do, but there are lots of organizations that throughout history, you know, like Ford originally creating the concept of the assembly line, Toyota in its heyday, creating like the concept of lean and, and Six Sigma. These are, these are examples of organizations achieving greatness. It's not all tech companies, right? I think any organization can do this. It just requires the will to achieve. And it's interesting because the, the way that we've defined greatness here inherently means that it's, that it's a moment in time. The organizations that you just referenced, right? Ford and Toyota are kind of reestablishing a new standard or pushing the boundaries of how an organization should think about manufacturing or creating products. It doesn't necessarily mean that great organizations are great forever. It means that they've had a moment of greatness that has that has really pushed the boundaries in their particular industries and for society as a whole, but it means that they're blips, right? An organization pursues this moment, it pursues this blip, it pursues the society changing moment. And then after that, that moment goes away and then there's additional moments, right? Like they can pursue greatness in another way, but it, it means that a great organization doesn't wear that badge of honor for its entireties. It's so important because I think a lot of organizations achieve greatness and then they sit on it. Yeah, they ride right. on the coattails first. <laughs> and and they long. remember the heyday, right? And maybe a lot of people that, that work there still think about the organization as being what it once was, but, you know, it kind of hollows out or, or things evolve or kind of settle back down. And it has to be a sustained pursuit. You, you do it, you aspire, you achieve it, and then you set your sights on the next great big thing, right? And, and I think, you know, this is something that you and I have talked about and, and published articles about in the past. Sometimes that involves looking back and cannibalizing the thing that made you great the first time. It gives you a platform to then go to aspire to even greater heights of exceptional performance and bringing new, amazing things into the, into the market, into the world. But in order to do that, you have to consume the resources of the first thing that made you great in the first place. Or that thing, if it continues to be effective and successful, will make it difficult for the next big thing to emerge or get the traction that it requires. So you have to pull that thing out of the market. I think the example that often gets pointed to here is the iPhone 
cannibalizing iPod sales, right? The iPod was like yeah. Apple's biggest product for a long time. And the iPhone absolutely demolished all of the sales of the iPod. And it's like, that's okay. That's okay. This is like a new and exciting market. We got to accept that that's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. So, right. Like being great at the end of the day is the stars align moment where what an organization is capable of doing aligns perfectly with what the market, what the industry or what the world at large could benefit from at that moment. And so it's, if you found that synergy in that moment of time of, of kind of what you can do and, and what's really needed, but what makes that extremely complicated is what's needed and the macro environment is constantly changing. And so if you've had this moment of time greatness, it's not going to be replicatable in the same way because the world itself is, is adjusting. And I think that Apple example is an extremely interesting use case where what they've done previously with their iPod was a moment of greatness for what the world would benefit from at that moment in time. But then they did a really great job at perceiving that the way that the world was shifting would require them to cannibalize themselves in order to have another moment of greatness for what the world needed or what the world benefit from some period of time. It's a super interesting dynamic where organizations can sometimes have that moment of greatness, but then rely on it a little too long without recognizing that the kind of the macro environment is changing quickly and they're going to need to evolve in order to adapt. So to pull it all together, what we want to do in this first season, we want to explore this question of what makes an organization great? Why don't more organizations aspire to that greatness? And for those that do aspire, what keeps so many of them from achieving it? We're going to talk to people that have led organizations trying to accomplish this. We're going to talk to people that have been strategic advisors to some of the most senior leaders in the world. And we're going to bring a, a hypothesis into each of these conversations about one facet of this problem, right? Maybe it's the role that culture plays. Maybe it's the role that black swan catastrophic events, unknowable events play in keeping you from greatness. I'm sure there's lots of organizations that had big, bold plans in February of 2020 <laughs> that maybe uh, saw themselves pivot a little bit for whatever reason. So that's our plan. Our, and our proposal to you, our beloved audience, is that we're going to try to explore these topics with big implications for how we live our lives every day. And you don't have to be a corporate strategist in order for this to matter, right? Because these things are happening in the background and they affect the way that we get to live our lives. We're going to try to be clear and direct. We're going to try to avoid being too arcane or academic which I, I think in this conversation, we've made it very clear we're going to fail at at least half of the time. Uh, but we're also going to try to extract from each of these conversations what I'd call like a, a nugget, some piece of insight, a takeaway for everyone that folks can use in their own organizations, in their personal lives, some aha moment about how everyone can strive for greatness every day. Just so hungry for knowledge. So hungry. And also for snacks. All right. Thank you, everyone. That's our zeroth episode in the bag. We, uh, we appreciate you listening. Tell everyone, subscribe to our podcast and let other people know. We're going to have our lineup coming out soon as we start to queue up our first guests. And then uh, we'll start to share some information about uh, how folks can get in touch with us. We have a, a LinkedIn page. Um, we have a, a website in the works. So there's going to be more and more ways to get in touch with us, share your ideas, share your takeaways from these conversations. We're very interested 
in hearing what people uh, think about what they hear here. And, you know, we're, we're happy to bring those ideas back into the conversation in subsequent episodes. So thank you all for listening. And we look forward to, uh, to you taking this journey of discovery with us over the first season of Strategish. All right. Thanks, everyone. Talk to you soon. Bye.